Hello and thank you for tuning in to this latest SUSTI talk from EDI. This is our series of one-on-one -on -one audio interviews that we've been running since the very beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic to amplify sustainability stories and keep us connected to sustainability leaders across the world. And our SUSTI talk guest for this episode is from one of the UK's and indeed one of the largest multinational food service companies, um, Compass Group. Um, I'm delighted to have on the line Compass Group UK and Ireland's Head of Environment, Ashley Taylor. Thank you so much for your time, Ashley. How are you? Thank you very much and thank you for having me. I'm good, thanks. No, thank you for taking the time. I know we've spoken to a lot of um, Compass people <laughs> in the past, um, but great to, to meet yourself as well. And obviously from my work, I know a fair bit about Compass, but for those listening who might not know about the company, it'd be great to have a little quick introduction in your own words. Yeah, so hi, I'm Ashley. I'm Head of Environment for Compass Group UK and Ireland. I joined in August 2021. I'm a full in charge member of the Institute of Environmental Management and Assessment. Uh, my career started within the higher education sector. I then worked in facility management and then came into food service when I moved to Compass. Uh, Compass is the UK's largest food service company, working across many sectors, everything from defence, education, sports and entertainment. We operate in 4,000 locations, we employ 45,000 people and have 5,000 plus suppliers across 70 different categories. And in 2021, we launched our industry leading climate net zero commitment by 2030 um, and have our targets validated by the Science Based Targets Initiative. Well, massive congratulations on that. And Compass, I always think, is one of those companies that we might not have heard the name, but we've probably eaten one of their um, one of their salads or their the pastas or or something like that. Given how many places it caters for, um, and you mentioned net zero there, but I know that the business is doing a lot of other great work, local sourcing, um, plant-based sourcing, and also on food waste, and that we're going to be publishing this edition on the 26th of April, which is Stop Food Waste Day, um, a campaign that I understand was actually first launched by Compass itself in 2017. Um, it'd be great to learn a bit more about the, the launch story of that. So why why did you choose to launch that? Um, and since then, what, what impact has that had internally on cutting food waste across the business? Yeah, so food waste is a huge problem for everyone in our industry, um, but we should all feel really empowered to be part of the solution to that. Globally, one third of food produced um, for human consumption is lost or wasted every single year. If it was a country, it would be the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases in the world, just behind the USA and China. So it's massive impact. Uh, Stop Food Waste Day, as you just said, was launched in 2017, starting in our US business. Uh, the initiative was then launched in the UK a year later and has now gained traction as a global movement and it also supports our climate net zero targets. Uh, the reduction of food waste is something we've always been committed to and uh, in the UK we were early adopters of RAP's portal commitment and I feel like we're really proud that in the UK and Ireland and group we've set ambitious targets to reduce our food waste by 50% by 2030. I think more people are getting aware of that climate impact of food waste. I was a bit silly in positioning net zero and food waste as two completely separate things because they're definitely, definitely not. Um, something I want to ask is about how you manage to, to scale that up. We see a lot of businesses um, having challenges even launching a campaign internally, let alone getting other partners involved, um, doing it across multiple markets. So it'd be good to hear about how that scaling process works. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And agreed. So in the UK, uh, we work really hard to ensure that Stop Food Waste Day is not just one day. This is a real focus for us all year round. We do that through engaging with our suppliers, partners, our clients and our customers to ensure that we share information and ideas, as well as raising awareness around this important areas uh, issue and the impact of it. Um, as a global organisation, we want to roll out the campaign to land in the 44 countries we operate in, and we're seeing absolutely amazing engagement. Uh, for example, in 2022 there, the hashtag Stop Food Waste Day generated over 33 million Twitter impressions in 40 plus countries with almost 7,000 individual posts. Last year, we also launched our first food waste cookbook with inspiring recipes about how to use up leftover food and unused food. And it features our chefs from across the globe. And that cookbook has been downloaded over 12 and a half thousand times and been seen by almost 60,000 clients, consumers and colleagues. And then just recently, we have recently been holding our global culinary forums, joined by 1500 chefs over four time zones. Um, you know, our chefs are really key to this journey and they're the ones really driving successes across net zero, which obviously includes the reduction of food waste. Those are some significant numbers. And I mean, it's great to hear about the book because when you mentioned the internal work, it is worth noting that this is not just a global movement within the business, is it? There's loads of loads of partners. I remember seeing Toast Ale on the list and Eatable on the list. So I'm presuming that this is for other businesses and for members of the public as well as as Compass. Yeah, no, absolutely. Everyone can get involved. Excellent. And I, I did want to talk about um, culture of around food waste. And you mentioned how obviously there's a lot more awareness since 2017, partly thanks to initiatives like Stop Food Waste Day, um, partly due to other campaigns and changing legislation. Um, but obviously, since 2017, the world is completely different. I mean, I look back at sort of 2019 and before as a sort of different era for obvious reasons. Um, and I remember during the early parts of the pandemic, seeing really different um, attitudes and awareness about food waste and food waste habits. So I wanted to get your view on whether, um, you know, your, your staff base and even consumer base are um, engaging differently with this topic compared to pre-pandemic. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, food waste affects everyone, uh, you know, at home and at work. Um, since the pandemic, though, I think, you know, we saw some great initiatives happen and say to reduce food waste and also the redistribution of food waste, especially when some of our outlets were having to close very quickly. But since then, the world has moved on even more and uh, we're all experiencing the cost of living increases. And I think that's really focused everyone, you know, at home and in businesses to be far more aware of what they're buying and how they're using it and making the most of the products that they have, which is, I think is having a real impact on less food being thrown away, both at home and in businesses. Um, I'm a great believer, you know, that, that measurement and data empowers us to have the tools to make that, you know, informed decisions. So within Compass, we have committed to the rollout of food waste recording systems across our kitchens to support the accurate measurement and reduction of food waste. And it is my personal mission to deliver this. Uh, one of the issues we've really identified is that food was often just lumped together, which makes it really difficult to understand why and where the waste was being produced. And so we've been working really hard to evolve our tech and our, our people and our clients to understand uh, what stages of the food service produce the most food waste. And so we can introduce like 
specific and targeted interventions. We're also supporting our teams, you know, to measure and report our food waste across five different categories then. So that's out of date, plate waste, post-production, pre-production and retail. Um, and this will allow us to identify further opportunities to re reduce food waste and report on the results of implementing new ideas. Uh, we're going to expand that capability further, bring together food waste emissions reduction and the commercial impact. And that detailed analysis will enable us to move this agenda forward within the business to measure success and drive further efficiencies wherever possible. Communication for us is also key. Um, so every single person in the business has a role to play to deliver our climate net zero um, targets, which mentioned previously um, is food waste is a huge part of. Um, and in support of that communication, we are imminently rolling out an app to help our people with information and education on sustainability in their lives. So that's really exciting. And uh, we also have a lot of training within our business so that people are informed um, on food waste as a subject. Great. Well, clearly we're going to have to touch base once that technology is in place, because that sounds super interesting. Um, so best of luck with the rollout. Yeah, thank you. No, it is. It's very exciting. We'll definitely let you know when it's out. Great. And something else I want to touch on is we've touched on um, the link between food waste and climate. Um, but I know that Compass has also been looking at the link between what kinds of food it is serving and climate. So we've previously reported on Compass's commitment to increase the share of meals and ingredients that it uses that are locally sourced and the number of meals and snacks that are served that are plant based. So it'd be great to hear a little bit more about that intersection between food and climate as well, Ashley. Yeah, no, definitely. So um, earlier this year, we published our climate impact report, uh, which is a really transparent update on our climate net journey so far. Um, and it describes the successes and learnings and gives really good tangible targets for moving forward. As we've mentioned, one of our targets is around increasing our plant-based proteins. We have a target to have a 25% switch from animal proteins by 2025 and then a 40% switch by 2030. Um, this ambition is seen over 4,000 chefs in the UK reformulate 90,000 recipes. And that reformulation has seen an increased focus on local, seasonal and plant-based ingredients. Some really amazing results of that include the reduction of meat by 40% across the top 12 best-selling dishes in our business and industry sector, the redesign of the beef wellington using mushrooms to reduce its carbon and footprint to below one kilogram of CO2 equivalent, and the massively successful 50-50 burger in our sports and leisure sector, containing 50% less animal protein, to name just a few. We also introduced an air freight ban that has successfully encouraged the use of seasonal and local ingredients. And finally, one of our key focuses is to enable recipe level carbon footprinting to allow us to, to strategically analyse and reduce embodied carbon on every plate. That's some great progress and I wanted to ask about learnings from this process because I, I know that that must not be easy to do so in terms of the process what has to happen and I'm presuming that chefs have to be on board and that the recipe teams have to do quite a lot of work behind the scenes to to get to that point and make those substitutions. Yeah no so we have an absolutely fantastic uh, team of chefs and um, our nutritional team so they have a lot of they collaborate a lot to um, look at the ingredients, make sure that the switches, um, the level of protein within the vegetables uh, matches that of the meat. 
and so we're not losing any nutritional value and um you know they, they really have adopted you know the nose to tail or root root um the top um approach so we use every single bit of the animal and the vegetable and um reduce uh the amount of uh, food that's thrown away I can imagine. And I wanted to ask as well about the consumer engagement piece, because we, we all know here in the UK that the government doesn't want to tell people to, to eat less meat. So when you put these targets forward to the venues that you serve at and to the customers at the venues, what what has the feedback been like so far? It's been really, really positive. Um, you know, I, I myself have tasted the 50-50 burger and I think it tastes better than a normal beef burger. It's absolutely fantastic. And I think um, it's because chefs are so creative people anyway, that um, giving them almost like a challenge of like, what can you create with this ingredient that we previously used to throw away or how can we substitute some meat based proteins? It gets them excited about it and they come up with some amazing, really flavoursome ingredients and um, recipes and um yeah, the, the feedback from public has been really po- positive and our customers are really enjoying it. Uh, we try not to label it as veggie or vegetarian because that sometimes has a perception of, you know, um, people might not want to, to eat it. Um, but if you just label it as um, something as, you know, interesting or seasonal or um, call it a really cool name like 50-50 burger, then um, people are more likely to eat it and um yeah, it's been really positive. Great. I find it fascinating how the psychology of labelling products um, works. So fabulous to hear about that. But um, Ashley, I know we're nearly out of time for this Sussy Talk call. So thank you very much for covering so much on food waste and plant-based food in such a short amount of time. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.